We just started a new sermon series at Anniston First United Methodist Church called Discipleship. And to go along with that, we want to provide you some discipleship opportunities. Um, I have really been interested in the Celtic expression of Christianity for about 10 years now. The Celtic expression of Christianity tends to be very nature-based, very connected to creation. And I think that's a good thing for us because if we spend too much time in completely man-made spaces, we begin to depend too much on that which is man-made. But to get out in creation helps us see the wonder and the glory of God's creation all around us. Also, the Celtic expression of Christianity is very participatory. It focuses on things that you can do to connect with God and to feel God's presence and to respond to God's love. Whereas the American expression of Christianity tends to be very spectator based. So this has attracted me for a while. So for each week of this sermon series, I want to offer you a spiritual practice that you might try. Um, I want to share with you a little bit information about a Celtic saint. And then I want to give you some scriptural basis for the practice. So I hope that you'll go on this journey with us as we explore um, discipleship through a Celtic lens for the next six weeks. Yesterday in our sermon series, we talked about loving God with all that we are, loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. The practice I want to give you for this week is engaging in silence and solitude. Solitude was an essential practice for Celtic monks because they were seeking places where they could hear God more clearly. We certainly have a soundtrack to our world. We have noise all the time. We have radios in our car. Even shopping in the store, we hear music and other people. Um, at home, we tend to leave the TV on and have a constant background of what is on the TV, whether it's news or a TV show. We listen to music on our phones and through our iPods, or we listen to audiobooks. So I want to encourage you to just have a little bit of time where you turn all of that off so that you could hear God speaking to you. One of the saints that did this was St. Coleman McDua. Um, he was a 6th and 7th century Irish monk. He was born to royal parents, not to a king and queen, but to members high up in the royal family. And he experienced paternal jealousy. His father was very jealous of him. He had a miraculous baptism. His mother prayed for some priests to come and to baptize her son without the father's knowledge. And so two priests show up and they can't find any water to baptize the child. So when the mother prays, water miraculously flows out of the base of an ash tree and the priests baptize um, baby Coleman. And as they touch the baptismal waters, the priests are healed. One was blind and one was lame in one foot, and they experience healing as this child experiences baptism. So the idea is that Coleman had a, a miraculous birth and journey anyway. He spent his life trying to pursue Christian perfection, which sounds a lot to us like Wesley, John Wesley encouraging us to explore Christian perfection, to become as much like Jesus as we possibly can, and to be perfected in our ability to love one another. In an effort to do this, St. Coleman went away by himself. He went um, past the forest of Burren and found a cave in the hillside and lived there alone for seven years, 
trying to connect with God and discover who he should be. There's an interesting story that he took three little animals with him, a rooster, um, a mouse, and a fly. The rooster would wake him for his prayers before dawn every morning. The mouse would gently nibble at his ear if he tried to fall back asleep. And the fly would help him keep his place in his prayer book by sitting on the last word that he had said if he were to get distracted. So interesting stories that may or may not be true about the saint, but he was known for trying to pursue perfection. After seven years in the cave, angels came and appeared to him and asked him to go back and teach other people the wisdom he had learned during his time alone. So he took all that he had learned about himself and about God and about how we relate to God and others and went back to share that with people. So the silence and the solitude had taught him. We also have the example of silence and solitude in Jesus Throughout his story in the Gospels, he continually pulls away from the crowds to go be alone, to go um, to a lonely spot, which means a wilderness spot, a place of solitude and silence, to reconnect with God and to really renew himself, um, to have a moment, to have a thought of his own. There, So we too want to be able to do that. Um, it can be healthy for us. There is a a beautiful Celtic tradition that says that Eden, the Garden of Eden, is not a place in space and time that man has been banished from. If you look on a map, you will find no Garden of Eden. You can walk from one side to the other of the continent of Africa and never find Eden. You can go up and down the Tigris River, which is one of the rivers named in Genesis, and you will never find a garden. So the Celts believe that it wasn't a place, a physical place, but that Eden was the deepest dimension of our being and that we are living in exile from our deepest, most authentic created self because of all else that goes on in the world. And that silence and solitude are two of the paths that take us back to recover Eden, to come back to our home, to our center to the place where God walks with us in perfect love and complete peace. So I want to help you cultivate a greater capacity to live with other people by having that practice of being alone and also to find the space that you need to wrestle with your inner voices and the things that that you hear and to allow the voice of God to be a voice in that. I believe that the divine whispers to us in the time of silence and solitude and that we then go and live in response to that. And we are able to keep almost like the dial on a radio because we have been spent that time with God. We're better to stay dialed in to hearing the voice of God once there are other sounds around us. I will admit to you up front that this has been the most difficult spiritual discipline for me to practice. Um, In the old days, when I was growing up, I have what they call a type A personality. Um, If you are familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality inventory, I am an ESTJ. On the Enneagram, I'm a three. All that means is I tend to be a doer. Um, achieving something. I'm happiest when I am in constant motion. I want to check things off a list and get things done. 
and the idea that there are still times that I need to pause and sit still. This rhythm is even reflected in creation itself as Almighty God created and was active for six days and then rested on the seventh, that there comes a time at which we need to cease being active and sit. It's also interesting to me that we call the things we do in those moments um, recreational activities and resting. You can almost hear the words recreated. We discover who we were created to be. We return to our created selves when we get still. The Bible story that has been the most impactful to me is the story of the prophet Elijah that we find in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. The prophet has just had a dramatic confrontation with some pagan prophets. They've had a contest um, to see whose God would show up and prove that they are the one true God. And Elijah, our God, the Hebrew God, has turned out to be the God who shows up. So he's had a tremendous victory. But immediately after the queen, this would be King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, bad bad couple, bad king and queen, the worst um, that we have in the history of the Hebrew people. But Jezebel not only worshipped that pagan god, she encouraged everybody else to. And she's mad. So she tells the prophet she's going to kill him. You know, may God kill me if I haven't killed you by this time tomorrow. So Elijah gets really upset. He gets really worried about it. Um, as often happens after a moment of one of our greatest mountaintop experiences, the next thing we experience is one of our greatest lows. He becomes very worried and anxious. And God says, go meet me on Mount Carmel. Go to the holy mountain and visit with me there. So he does. He travels to Mount Carmel alone and is sitting in a cave in silence and solitude. And there is a rushing mighty wind so violent that it knocks rocks off the side of the mountain. But God is not in the wind. God doesn't speak from the rushing wind. Then there is an earthquake and the whole mountain shakes. And again, the rocks are thrown off the side of the hill. And God doesn't speak through the earthquake. Then there's a fire. He can see the fire. He can see what is burning. He can hear the flames. And yet God doesn't speak from the flames. We have God speaking through all of these in other portions of the Bible, but God doesn't speak in this moment in this way. Instead, after all of that, there's silence. And finally, in the silence is where Elijah hears God speak to him and give him hope and give him purpose and give him assurance of his love and that he is with him. Um, so I believe silence and solitude can be a valuable practice for you. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to, one, find a place that is quiet. It'd be great if it is outdoors, maybe in a pretty place near a, a running stream, um, but wherever you feel comfortable and it's quiet. If you aren't able to go outside, find a quiet place in your home. Maybe it is a spare bedroom or somewhere that doesn't get interrupted. In the house I grew up in, it would have been the living room, the room we never went in and touched stuff. Um, or if you have to, it could even be your closet. Um, 
but find a quiet place to sit and just be with God. No noise, just be. And I'm going to encourage you to use your phone, use your cell phone and set yourself a timer. Shoot for three minutes. Three minutes really isn't that long. It's the length of a commercial break on a show. Set your phone so you won't keep looking at your phone because it may feel longer than that when you start. And then just sit and see what you hear. Inevitably, you're going to have thoughts come across your mind. Let the thought come and then release it and just go back to seeing what you hear. Do that for three minutes and see if you don't begin to cultivate the ability to hear God speak. And if you can, work up um, to around 20 minutes. But I'm asking you to do three minutes a day for the next seven days. Whatever day you start this, do it for seven days and then you can go on to the next practice for the next week. If you're not able to find that time to sit, maybe take a walk. Not a walk for exercise, not speed walking, but to walk to meander, to walk and listen. What do you see? What do you hear? What might God be saying to you? What do you need to turn off the soundtrack of the world to be able to hear hear the still, small voice of God saying to you? So I invite you to um, follow the example of Jesus, to follow the example of St. Coleman and try the practice of solitude and silence.